Wait, wait, wait. Before we start, just want to make sure we're clear here. While this podcast talks about sobriety, mental health, and addiction, it is not meant to replace professional medical advice. Welcome to Sisters in Sobriety. I'm Kathleen. And I'm Sonia. And we're ex-sisters-in-law, brought together in marriage and bonded through our sobriety journey. Join us as we talk sobriety, addiction, and everything in between. You're in for quite a ride. And our Substack is buzzing with amazing content from creative mocktail recipes to insightful courses and reflective exercises. There is something for everyone. Don't miss out. It's a great way to add some extra joy and depth to your journey. Check it out. Hi, we're Kathleen and Sonia, and you're listening to Sisters in Sobriety. Thanks for being here. I'm Sonia, and I'm with my sister in sobriety, actually my sister-in-law, Kathleen. Kathleen, how are you doing today? I'm really good today, actually. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I booked a solo trip to Portugal, which I'm excited about, and actually good timing because we were talking about dating and sobriety today, and I decided that I am not really focused on dating right now, but I'm focusing on myself, but I do have some good nuggets just in time for Valentine's Day, and so I think dating in sobriety doesn't just mean navigating romantic relationships without alcohol. It really involves relearning how to form connections and understanding our emotions without numbing it with alcohol. And it's really an amazing process of self-discovery. And for me, it isn't just about finding love or companionship. It's really an opportunity to build relationships that are based on honesty and respect and genuine affection. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary of it. You know, dating while maintaining sobriety is is really a balance of vulnerability and strength. And it's about setting boundaries. You know, I love boundaries. So it's about setting boundaries, but also being true to one's sobriety commitments and finding someone who respects and supports this very, very important aspect of our lives. So in today's episode, we will explore the joys, challenges, and lessons of dating while sober. And it's a very unique aspect of recovery. So let's begin this journey together. But this episode isn't just about the challenges. It's also about the amazing ways sobriety can deepen your relationships by learning to communicate honestly and really experiencing a level of connection you might have not thought was possible when alcohol was in the picture. So whether you are starting out on your sobriety journey or have been on this path for a while, we are here to talk about it all the good, the bad, everything in between. So grab a cup of tea and let's get real about sobriety and dating. You are not alone in this. Let's navigate this together. And to start, Kathleen, I think a good way to start this discussion is to talk about if sober dating is different from, let's call it impaired slash not sober dating. Uh, Yeah. Have you ever heard of beer goggles? Yes. Short answer, yes. Without alcohol to numb emotions, sober dating really requires someone to face their feelings of nervousness, rejection, vulnerability, and it can be really challenging, but it can also be really rewarding in terms of personal growth. So alcohol or drugs might temporarily mask these feelings, but it doesn't help dealing with them in the long run. 
when you are sober dating, you probably can have more honest conversations. And I know that people will be like, what, what are you talking about? When I was drinking, I was able to just say whatever I want. But I mean like emotionally honest conversations. And also some of the things you might do might be different as well in terms of dating. What do you think? How is sober dating different from not sober dating? <laughs> yeah, I agree with everything you said. And so I think I've been sober dating for the first time in my life, the last, let's say, maybe four or five, six months. And yeah, everything just feels a lot more heightened. I'm for sure. I'm more nervous. I'm more aware of myself, like my body. And I think I will say my favorite part of sober dating, and I think I've told you this, is getting home sober and waking up sober. So some of the best nights I've had are getting home from a mediocre date sober and watching some housewives and eating some popcorn and then waking up in the morning feeling good. And so, yeah, I think that for me has been the best part of sober dating. What is one of your key takeaways for our listeners on sober dating? My key takeaway has been that you have to be really picky about who you choose to go on a date with and have a certain standard of what's acceptable to you. And I never worry about being too picky. And especially when it comes to drinking, so how much someone drinks. And so if someone, if it looks like they like to party and go to the club and that's their thing, then that's probably not the person for you if you're trying to have a pretty low-key sober lifestyle. Um, what do you think that the listeners should be thinking about? Well, I think first off, I think that listeners should think about whether they actually want to date. <laughs> I think that's Girl. the first thing. Are you ready to date? So want to date? Are you ready to date? And then if you decide that you actually want to date, what are you looking for? Are you looking to date just for fun? Are you looking to date to eventually get in a relationship? And then there's the list. And you know I am big on this list. And the list I'm talking about is I had a therapist once who told me about this and she basically said before you start dating, especially if you're dating to get into a relationship, she said, write down a list of all the qualities uh, that you are looking for in someone else and then choose your non-negotiables. And so after I got a divorce from your brother, I, I did the list and I had certain non-negotiables on that list. And I think it helps focus you so when you're not swept away by the dopamine and serotonin that can be infused in your brain while you're dating, you can have this list and look back on it and say, is this the person that, is this the person that I want to spend time with? Girl, my brother was full of non-negotiables. Yeah, but I didn't have the list before <laughs> I met him. I did not have the list before I met him. If I did, I wouldn't have married him. But then I wouldn't have got to know you. I wouldn't have my daughter. <laughs> I mean, I love the guy, but he's like a, a waving red flag. <laughs> I, I, I know that. And I didn't have a list, which I wish I had, but now I have a list. Sonia, what effect do you think being sober has on dating for you? 
What's so interesting, before we started recording, we were just talking about how I'm thinking of taking like a little break from dating. I've had like a few sequential situationships. And what we were talking about is that, and I have girlfriends that date really frequently, right? Like two to three dates a week, get into a situationship, kind of keep looking. And, and I was saying, I think there is some level of like a dopamine hit from dating. And so, and for me, not the same completely as alcohol. I wasn't, I'm not addicted to dating, but that dopamine hit makes it harder for you to stop and think. And so, yeah, I think that's the difference is that now I'm pausing and I'm not letting that dopamine kind of rush get the best of me. And, and I think because I think you saw me making some compromises, right? And especially mm -hmm. with the last situationship, I compromised on how much I was willing to accept about how much someone drank. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What about you? What do you think the effect was when you started dating? Well, I didn't actually. Like after I stopped using drugs, I went for actually over a year without dating anyone. And this was by choice. So I got sober and then I was in Toronto for a little bit. And then I moved to Hong Kong for work for a while. And I made a very, very, very conscious decision not to date because I just didn't I wasn't interested, but I also didn't feel ready. I felt like so raw to the world and I really wanted to focus on myself. So I actually didn't start dating um, for about a year and a half. Interesting. I think that we can agree that sobriety does affect how you date. <laughs> I think so. Yes, <laughs> I think so. For sure. And sometimes you don't see it until you're actually in the situation. Yeah. Or in my case, when I tell the committee about my dates, which is like you, my other sister-in-law, my nieces, and a few of my super good friends. Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw, saw some things evolving with the last person you dated. Do you want to talk more about it? Not really, but I will, I will take one for the team and I will, I will run through a string of bizarre and incompatible people for you here hopefully for someone to get some information from it. So the first person I dated after my divorce, so the first date I'd ever been on sober was someone who was sober. And it felt really safe. It never progressed, so I don't have any long-term data. But I do remember being on the date and feeling like, oh, okay, this isn't that bad because I don't have to explain why I'm not ordering a glass of wine. And so that was great. The second one, oh, this is a good one. This one lasted about a month. And again, great, said he didn't drink. He did, however, smoke weed for headaches and took edibles, so any form of THC. And do you remember this? Oh, yeah. When he insisted... I take a, what he called a CBD bath bomb. And it was actually a THC bath bomb. And I was really hesitant regardless of what it was. I was like, you know, I have to be really careful about anything mind altering. And he was like, no, no, it just feels like a body massage, nothing psychoactive. So I did it. He really pushed. And then I remember after I felt really nauseous, like the same as when I smoked weed. And then 
I didn't, I didn't end the situation right away, but looking back, that should have been the moment. Oh, this last one was good. This last one was almost a couple of months. And I was so clear because I could tell just from like conversations about like general lifestyle that it seemed like he went out a lot and drank a lot. Right. And so I was really clear about, I really don't want to date anyone who has more than one drink at dinner, maybe two on a special occasion. And he was totally fine with it. And I even mentioned things that I wouldn't do. I said, I'm not going to go to a winery with you. I'm not going to go to a brewery. I'm not going to go on a pub crawl. And he was like, yep, no problem. But I could see all the signs there and I ignored them in favor of what he had said. And so, and then, yeah, remember we were good for like a month. He never had more than one drink in front of me. Then, then he sort of like let it go. Like he had like maybe three or four drinks one night and then maybe like six drinks, um, the next night. And so I remember like right when it was happening, I didn't process it, but when I told you guys about it, you were like, what? And that's a really good learning experience is to, is to tell people and to be really open. And so, yeah, I mean, this guy was clearly lacking healthy coping mechanisms because he was saying like, oh, just like to unwind with a drink after work. So that... That is my colorful dating history of the last <laughs> few months. And colorful it is. Yeah. And so you you mentioned, you know, talking uh, like to the guys that you were dating about the fact that you're sober. So how do you navigate those early dating conversations about not drinking? Yeah, I'm I'm really upfront about the fact that I don't drink. I'm not necessarily like shouting the reason that I don't drink because I had a problem with alcohol. But if somebody asks me, why don't you drink? I will tell them I had a problem with alcohol. But I usually add, and this is true, like I'm way more fun than I used to be and how good my life is since I got sober. There's moments when I tell somebody that I feel that like nervousness or like this little like bubble of shame. But when, once I say it, I feel really good about it. And, and you know, we say this all the time. If someone doesn't want to go out with me because of that, they're not the right person. Yes, that's true. And so not everyone, like not everyone you're going to tell is going to react positively to your sobriety. So what are some coping strategies when a, a date re reacts negatively? Yeah. So if the person is honest, we will not end up going on the date, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the best mm -hmm. case scenario. And that has happened to me a couple of times. And you can tell when you're talking to somebody and they mention alcohol a lot. They're like, oh, I went out, have a hangover. And so usually you can tell. And so again, yeah, there's no point in starting so something with someone who's going to have a problem with it or who's going to think that they can encourage you to drink and be like, oh, you can have a drink. Um, and so I think for me, the best coping strategy has been to lean on people when that happens. Like when I'm feeling like, oh, who's going to go out with me? I'm sober, I'm vegetarian, I'm divorced. It's really good to talk about it. And so <laughs> why, wait, wait a second. <laughs> why was, why was sober, vegetarian, and then divorced in the same sentence? Well, are these negative things? 
it's their lifestyle choices, right? And <laughs> okay, so okay. <laughs> the vegetarian thing has been an issue twice out of those three situationships, okay? Two of these guys spent entire dinners, one, eating a raw steak, and two, explaining to me how I wasn't getting enough protein as a vegetarian and how red meat was the healthiest thing that you could eat for oh, your body. That's why I'm putting vegetarian in there because okay, okay, it's okay. A, <laughs> then wow, I'm really I'm 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 on one right now. Then the divorce thing is I've been dating these men in their mid 40s who have never had a long-term relationship. Red flag. Right. Like these guys never married, no kids, which, okay, fine, fine, fine. But most of them haven't had a relationship longer than a couple of years. I was in a relationship for 18 years. So I'm just saying there could be a disconnect there. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Do you have any tips on discussing sobriety in a dating context? I think I do think it's really good to discuss it early in the dating process because you're going to weed out a lot of people. Choose a moment where you feel comfortable and the conversation feels natural. I, I really think honesty is the key and being clear and straightforward about your sobriety, I think is really important. Like you said, I don't think you need to delve into personal details or reasons unless you want to. A simple statement like, I don't drink because I'm focusing on a sober lifestyle. Like that, you could say that. And I think framing your sobriety in a positive light. So like, just like you did, focusing on the benefits it brings to your life, such as clearer thinking, better health, more meaningful experiences. I think this helps present it as a personal choice rather than a limitation. Yeah. But Everyone has different perspectives on sobriety. Some people might be supportive. Others might be curious. Others might be uncomfortable. And so you have to sort of respect that reaction, right? And be prepared for questions. And if there are certain situations that you're uncomfortable with, like dates in bars or parties where alcohol is like the central thing, then communicate that. And I think it's important to set and respect boundaries, love the word, to maintain your comfort and your sobriety. And it sounds like you were doing that. You were saying like with your last situationship, you know, I'm not going to go to the pub crawl. So you set the boundaries around that. So let's assume you are dating someone who does drink. How do you determine what your bar is for too much? So is this person drinking too much for me to be comfortable and if they are, do you ever talk to them about it? Or is it a done deal if they are over that bar? I really like to know what your answer is because this happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really good question. And you're, I don't know if you're going to love the answer because I think it really depends on each person and what they're comfortable with. So I know personally that I could not date someone who drinks in excess pretty much ever. Could I date someone who has a glass of wine a few times a week? Yes, I could do that. And I do. I am doing that. I, I am dating someone who has a glass of wine a few times a week. But that may not be for everyone. Someone else may need to date someone who is completely sober. Could I date someone who uses drugs on a semi-frequent basis? No, definitely not. Cocaine? Forget it. No way. No way. It is a hard no. So I have my own bar and... I think that if you're communicating what your boundaries are, you would hope that the other person could say, no, that's not me. In your case, Sonia, 
I think the person was like, it's okay. I, I, yeah, I'm okay. And then wasn't. So you had to make a decision. This person clearly is out of my, my window of tolerance for drinking and sobriety. So, so that was a harder decision. And I think it's good because you found out like two months in and not one year in, but that then again, I don't think you're going to find that out one year in. I think you're going to find that out pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it, I mean, so in, in the conversation about, do you talk to them about it? I did tell you, and you did not say, well, why don't you talk to him about it and see? Yeah. Yeah. Because at first, okay, let's go back to this. Let's rewind. Because when you told me that he drinks, um, uh, there was a part of me that's like, okay, he's been a bachelor for years and years and years. He hangs out with his bros all the time. So maybe that's just the lifestyle he's living, but maybe it's not a problem because he was so okay with it and like, no problem. Like I, I'm not going to drink, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. But you'll recall when he did have those like six drinks or whatever, and was drinking specifically to cope with stress. I was like, uh, hard no. Like that was like my instant, it's got to be done. I will say the best advice you ever gave me was when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and you said, mm. guys, wait for it. You cannot date someone's potential mm-hmm. because I am one of those per- people that is like, when they meet the right person, they'll want to settle down and have a different lifestyle. It's like, I cannot date what no. I think that they're going to be. No. And I really think that words are words, but actions are, I mean, actions speak louder than words, right? So I would have been like, hmm, that's good. If his actions backed up his words, I'd be like, okay, like maybe there's potential there. But the fact is that they didn't, they were misaligned and yeah, you can't date someone's potential. Absolutely. What are some red flags to look out for in dating that could threaten someone's sobriety? Yeah. I mean, let's put all the other kind of like the how much they drink and all those things aside. My sobriety is threatened by my triggers, right? And this was probably the most interesting part of dating was realizing um, how my triggers could be activated. And so someone who is critical of me is a Mm -hmm. major trigger. Someone who's inconsistent is a huge trigger for me. And when I say trigger, it triggers my anxiety and that anxiety Mm -hmm. makes me want to drink. And so someone who's not open about their feelings. And so that anything where I have to guess is a trigger, right? So anytime I have to guess someone's like motivation, feeling, those are triggers and they really they really spark this fight or flight response in me. And so, you know, I think everyone needs to do this. And especially when you're sober, you need to be with someone who doesn't activate your triggers, right? Yeah. As a couples therapist, I'm going to say usually the people we choose are the people that activate us most. It's true. Relationships activate us most in terms of they bring out the vulnerabilities in us, they trigger us the most. And so relationships are a vehicle for the most growth and change. But yes, to get into a relationship, you have to be very committed to your self-development, your self-growth and your sobriety because it will trigger you no matter what. 
Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. So you have actually successfully navigated dating and entering a new relationship sober. So as our resident expert, can you tell us a little bit about being in a relatively new relationship sober? Yeah, when I first got sober, I didn't date and I was really trying to figure myself out. The person I had been dating before I became sober was a pretty heavy cocaine user and he was someone I really liked and I had a strong connection with. And so things got muddled in my head a little bit and I, I just needed to cut out all dating. I wasn't doing drugs when I met your brother, but I was still drinking. And after my divorce, even though I didn't drink very much in my marriage at all, after my divorce, I had a period of drinking more heavily just for a few weeks after my separation. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? I feel like crap. My emotions are all over the place. So I pretty, I, I stopped. And then I went back on the dating scene, like online dating, and I put in my profile, I don't drink because I wasn't drinking. And I wanted people just to swipe past me. Like if they're not okay with me not drinking, then just count me out. And the person I eventually started dating did drink. And he later told me he wasn't really sure about me not drinking. But he... And I actually, I will say, I actually did drink some wine on our first few dates. And it felt... Because it felt weird not to. And I wasn't like... I wasn't like sober, sober. And so I did drink on our first few dates and I did have some drinks like on special occasions. Now, again, alcohol was never my major issue. It was drugs. So, but I really eventually told him like, I don't want to drink anymore. And over time he went from I would say drinking quite like not not a lot, but definitely more than he does now. And he doesn't really drink that much anymore. He just finished dry January, actually. Totally completed it. No problem. And yes, he still drinks, but he will just have like a glass of wine here and there. He does still drink around me, but it doesn't bother me because he's not ever drunk. I've actually never seen him drunk. If he were doing lines of Coke, it would be a major issue for me. I know where my boundary is. So we have been together for almost four years now and our relationship absolutely does not center around alcohol at all. And I, I can't speak for him, but it, it did take some getting used to for me to be with someone who did drink, but it, it again, it's not, it, our relationships just doesn't center around it. So speaking of not having my relationship center around alcohol, how can you find sober, friendly date activities? I think there's a spectrum, right, between a drinking activity and a sober activity because mm -hmm. I could have drank at almost any activity, right? When mm -hmm. I was drinking, I would have drank at mini golf or I would have drank before, after a movie or maybe yeah. even during a movie if you could. But I think there are so many things that you can do that aren't alcohol related at least. So museums, taking a class together, doing a sport, which I will not do. I'm not going to be your, <laughs> your tennis doubles partner, a movie. And when I was actively online, my profile was, let's find the best croissant in the city. Let's go to a DJ class. Let's go on an aimless walk. And so I think that 
if you just sit with yourself and think, what do I like to do? Then the answer will be there. And yeah, the the wrong person could drink at it, right? They could drink mm -hmm. at that activity. And so, yeah, the sporting event, is it alcohol centered? Not necessarily, but could somebody have 30 beers at it? Probably. How do you handle social situations involving alcohol with a new partner, like communicating your comfort level? I think you really have to be honest and let them know your boundaries. And you know, I have a great example of this because this past Christmas, I went to my partner's family Christmas and he has such a big, kind and loving family, just like salt of the earth people, but they are not sober. They drink and drink, drinking is very much a central part of their family gatherings. So I could have, I know you're a planner and I could have planned better for this, but my my partner knows because we've been together for four years. So he knows what my boundaries are because I've been honest with him. And so he knew that when people started to get loud and they were like a bit over the top because of the booze, he was like, time to go. If he hadn't said anything, I definitely would have. But now he can tell when my anxiety levels have increased and the gathering is just too much for me. So were we the first to leave? We were the first to leave. And he was totally fine with it. He could just look at me and know, yep, it's time to go. But that has come from time. And then also from me being really honest and open about what my boundaries are. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a good tip. How, and I think I know the answer to this, how does sobriety impact emotional vulnerability in relationships? Oh, well, you have to feel all of a sudden. Yeah. There's nothing to numb the emotion, whether good or bad. And you have a few options here. You can push down the emotion. I do not recommend that. Or you can feel it and you can sit with the feelings and you can be vulnerable. It can be really scary, but it's vulnerability is really, really essential for a healthy relationship. So yeah, it, you will have to feel. You will have to feel. Yeah, I agree. What are the signs of a healthy, supportive relationship for someone in recovery? What should I be looking for when I get into a relationship? I think that a partner respects your decision to stay sto sober and doesn't pressure you to in, like engage in activities that could compromise your recovery. For example, the THC bath bomb is a good example of not, not being supportive and not pressuring you. So they understand the importance of this, like of this part of your life, and they hold that space for you. Both partners should feel comfortable discussing their feelings and their challenges and their needs around it. There also needs to be an atmosphere of trust when you are having difficult conversations, and that can be sharing aspects of your recovery that can be discussed without judgment. So that's a really key piece. And your partner should listen to your concerns and, you know, are a source of encouragement and positivity. Obviously, boundaries are important. And in the context of recovery, that might mean understanding the need for space, respecting your choices to sobriety, and supporting recovery-related activities like meetings, for example. Yeah. And I remember you being supportive of my brother going to meetings, even mm -hmm. though he sort of stopped a little bit into your relationship. How do you deal with rejection related to your sobriety in the dating scene? 
Okay. So I am pretty no nonsense about this. And I really, really think that rejection is not necessarily rejection. I am not diminishing that it can feel like that. But what I mean is that the person is just not for you. Does it mean that you're unlovable? No. Does it mean that you're not worthy? No. Does it mean that you have different values? Yes. Yes, it does. Does it mean that you may not be compatible in other areas of your relationship? Probably. It stings. The rejection, the feeling of rejection, which can be tied to self-worth, doesn't feel good. But is it a rejection of you as a human being. It's not. It's this person is not for you. I try to use that as a mantra for myself. This is interesting because I haven't really gone out there and looked specifically for someone else in recovery, but Mm -hmm. can that be beneficial or can it be challenging? I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on where they're at in their journey. Are they physically sober and emotionally sober or just physically sober? Um, Are they doing the work on a continuous basis? So your brother was a good example of this. He was physically sober when I met him, but he wasn't really emotionally sober and he did not continue to do any work on himself in this regard. So I think it depends. Someone can say they're sober, but are they truly sober? So I think that's It really depends on the person. What resonated with you, Sonia, from today's episode? Uh, What resonated with me was when you said that behavior matters more than words. And it's something I always have struggled with. I take what people say as what they mean and, and don't always connect the behavior to it. And I give people a pass when the behavior doesn't align if they say the right thing. And that's what I've learned. And actually, that is a trigger for me when someone says one thing and does another thing. And so that's, yeah, I think I learned that I need to be a little bit better and quicker at seeing that disconnect. Resonated with you. You know, I think that your story about one of the first guys you dated after your divorce who was really like pressuring you with the the CBD bath bomb thing, it really highlighted the fact that early on, right, we can tell, is there support for sobriety? Like you can tell actually pretty pretty soon into dating someone. And then it's really up to you. I do say like, don't date someone's potential, but it's like recognizing that those little signs are actually big signs, right? Yes, I agree. I need to, I need to see the signs. And I will say, I just love that you're doubling down on your own self-care and choosing not to date right now. And I don't think I had ever shared that with you that I didn't date for over a year, which was, let's be frank, it was rare for me because I I was a bit of a dating queen and I didn't date. I think it's like a really healthy thing too. I'm pretty sure it's easy to date on the apps when you're like six foot tall, blonde, working in corporate. (laughs) Oh, are you talking about me? Yeah. I can imagine it's pretty easy. When you'd go on the apps, you'd probably have like 30 dates lined up. So yeah, taking a break for you probably was (laughs) was a big deal. I'm going to take that as a veiled compliment. (laughs) (laughs) You should. 
Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Sisters in Sobriety, and we will see you next week when we talk about work and sobriety. This was Sisters in Sobriety. Thank you for listening and being with us today. If you want to learn more about sobriety and meet your community, find us at sistersinsobriety.substack.com. Are you a sister in sobriety? Then reach out on social media. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling generous, leave us five stars and a review and follow us wherever you listen. You'll never miss an episode. Until next time.